is 92%. Please note that the thunderstorm warning is effective at the moment. RTHK News. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter is Paul Zimmerman. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Janice. On today's program, we're talking about legal liability in the catering industry. The debate has been raging for years over who should be responsible when people are scalded by hot food or drinks at restaurants. Last week, an eight-year-old girl suffered second-degree burns on her forehead, face and arm after a collision with another customer at a Chenquino restaurant, spilling piping hot coffee on the child. And earlier this month, a Florida court ruled that McDonald's was liable for burns suffered by another little girl after a steaming hot chicken McNugget fell on her thigh in 2019. So what do you think? Who's responsible for such accidents? Restaurants or customers? Should the temperature of hot drinks and food be regulated? After 9.45, we hear about the return of Hong Kong Soccer Sevens this Friday. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Now to a kick off our discussion this morning, we have in our Kowloon Tong studio, Yao Shek Kei, the Vice Chairman of the Association for Hong Kong Catering Services Management Limited. And on the line, we have Eric Kerr-Lewis, Barrister at Law, and Professor Ho Lok Sang, Director of the Han Su Tong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University. Good morning to all of you and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Now, uh, Mr. Yao, of course, um, Hong Kong has many restaurants. Uh, from your experience, is it rare for customers to get injured or scalded by hot food or drinks at uh, local eateries? Uh, for most of our members, uh, all this always happens. This is uh, almost like accident in day-to-day uh, running of the business. But most likely, it's like a very simple uh, accident, but it's very rare which which run into this case, like this, this eight-year-old girl, which have been uh, seriously burning, the second-degree burns. But usually, most of these cases would be like subject to the, uh, the, the, the accident, and we will refer this to the insurance. Most restaurants have a third-party uh, insurance on the uh, accident happened in the restaurant. So this happens regularly. I don't think so. Actually, in 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 restaurant, but most likely they they are uh, uh, they don't follow up on the cases. But I think accident do happen in restaurant. But I think they doesn't actually go into uh, the insurance claim. All right, Mr. Kerr Lewis. Uh, we, we just heard from Mr. Yao. He, he says that these uh, cases are very rare, and uh, I know you've dealt with uh, personal injury cases in the past. I mean, have you seen similar cases uh, like this before? Yes, I have. In fact. Uh it's, it's more common than one, one would think. Um, firstly, I think it's the nature of like Hong Kong eating out. There's a lot of hot water in restaurants, so just to fill up, for instance, like uh, Yum Cha, you know, and things like that. So um, it's not uncommon. But um, again, uh, uh, listening to what I've just heard the speaker say, um, there are, in fact, provisions in the law where uh, restaurants have to get third-party insurance. And that's because of occupiers' liability which is, I think, the main issue here. I mean, who is liable? I, I would argue that it's more the restaurant's fault because their duty of care is much better than their customer who is given like, hot water to walk around the restaurant. But, um, anyway, I think that's, that's generally the case. But, um, there is protection. 
And what kind of compensations are we talking about? I mean, in the US, uh, we see uh, very high levels of compensation now appearing in these kind of cases. I mean, uh, in, I think the Madonna case talks about a million dollars. What are you looking at here in Hong Kong? Well, that's a good question, Paul, because in Hong Kong, we, we do lag behind jurisdictions like uh, such as America. Now, I think, as we all know, America has somehow very high kind of payout rate in, in, in relation to such injuries. But in Hong Kong, we're, we're constrained under the common law to actually follow precedent. And I think the most important thing to understand here is like, uh, what kind of damages are we looking at? Well, we're looking at damages uh, for, for instance, pain and suffering and loss of amenities. It's the main, um, I think, head of damage here. And they're generally quite low. So we're not looking at multi-million dollar sort of pay for cases of this nature. Um, but then cases of uh, catastrophic injuries, like someone has said rendered like paraplegic, quadriplegic, then of course we are looking at much higher payouts because after all, the person's, you know, um, standard of living has dropped uh, immeasurably and of course the person probably will not be able to, to work again for the rest of their life. So that's one extreme. Looking at cases of this nature, we're looking at maybe hundreds of thousands in payout and, uh, and um Again, it's very sad to say, but a young person who's not yet working, it's very, you know, they will not be assessed on what um, loss of kind of potential earning, um, well, the potential earning capacity is. Hmm. So, basically, I think we have to look at the facts in a bit more detail before one can actually quantify how much is the claim. And, and official appearances, I mean, um, I've seen children that were scolded and... Uh, you know, even when they are older, you can still see it on their hands and arms or on the face that uh, that the accident had taken place. Yes, I agree. But again, you know, the, the, the payout is not really based on how long that injury is going to last, unless it's painful. You've got to see doctors all the time, doctors fees. And so we're not looking at a huge amount of, of, of um, a payout in these sort of cases. But each case to their own. Um, again, the courts are moving forward, and um, the, the recent cases of, of um, damages being paid out are significant higher, significantly higher than they have been in the last decade or so. Mm. All right. So let's go to uh, Professor Ho. Good morning. Good morning. So in this case uh, uh, that we're talking about where an eight-year-old girl was uh, scolded by uh, another female customer at a fast food restaurant uh, the father of the child he quickly posted a message uh, on social media to look for the customer involved and uh, called on her to take responsibility for the incident and uh, many people um, also supported his call online now, now just uh, speaking in general um, professor ho do you think uh, the attitude towards these kind of incidents have changed well in my mind it's most important that the person responsible uh, to uh, cause an incident, uh, be held responsible. You know who exactly, uh, exactly whose responsibility is it? And I, I think that is really very important. You know, um, although it happened in a it, on a catering uh, site in a, in a restaurant, um, the restaurant may or may not be uh, a partner to that negligence. You know, if the uh, uh, restaurant didn't really have any role in it um, apart from just uh, providing the location then uh, the uh, restaurant itself shouldn't be held responsible but of course if it has uh, uh, the third-party insurance and so on that will cover that sort of thing that happens on the venue then of course uh, the in insurance will have coverage you know but otherwise 
uh, there is no responsibility, you know, because uh, if you hold the person responsible, um, the the rationale behind it is to uh, uh, provide some kind of incentive for that party uh, to um, change its uh, uh, behavior so that it can do better in the future, and that will safeguard the public interest. You know, so so it's most important that the uh, the party that is responsible be held accountable. And I think uh, uh, in that particular case, apparently it's uh, another customer who who who, who is uh, responsible. Um, I don't really know the, the case too well, but. Uh, uh, the the bottom line is that uh, whoever who caused it should be held responsible. Right. So, so you're talking about uh, personal responsibility here. I mean, um, in your view, where 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 does personal responsibility come in? Is it about uh, how hot the food is, uh, the the temperature of the drink, or and uh, if it is accidental, can anyone be held uh, accountable? Yeah. Um, now. The, the fact that some foods are, are, are hot, that is something that is understood by everyone. You know, uh, so uh, if it's hot food, which is expected, but then um, because of some kind of behavior that caused uh, 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 that hot food to, to spill over on, on the customer, and, and so we, we need to know who is responsible. You know, if, if someone... Uh, um, uh, if a, an employee of the restaurant had caused that sp- a spill, of course, the employee and then the restaurant should be held responsible. You know, but if it is someone else who caused that spill, then uh, it is that person's responsibility. But of course, as I as I said, if uh, 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 it is uh, necessary, you know, for for the restaurant, you know, to have third party insurance, and I think in this kind of cases. Uh, the insurance company would look into the matter and see if uh, it uh, needs to, to to pay some compensation. But in any case, the compensation should also be uh, in line with the principle of proportionality. And of course, if it is uh, um, uh, causing a significant uh, injury and significant loss on 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 the customer, then. Uh, Whoever who had caused it uh, will have to, you know, pay the cost that uh, has arisen, you know, from that incident. Right, Mr. Yao, you're, you're mm-hmm. nodding your head. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you agree with uh, what uh, Professor totally, Ho said? Uh, I totally uh, agree with Professor Ho. Uh, uh, he said it very well about the the, uh, the liability to who, which is caused the action of the accident. Uh, shall 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 take the the responsibility, but uh, lucky on the Hong Kong side that the restaurant always had the third party insurance, but that's the the minimum coverage for the restaurant. But after this case, I think it's a good reminder to most restaurant should highlight when people are taking hot food, uh, transporting the hot food out and in of the restaurant or next to people. I think uh, it's a, a a good reminder to the operators that we should uh, put in a bit more signage, a reminder of the hot hot food which is like traveling around. Same as the, like most restaurants have the slippery board saying that the floor is wet. I think that's the, the typical case where people slip and, and, and cause accident. 
But who walks around with hot drinks in a restaurant? I mean, if it's a, mm. if it's a service restaurant, then it's the waiter who walks around with the hot drinks. If it's a self-service, then yeah, the customer self-service. walks around with it. Are the self-service restaurants designed to... For this aspect, that you have people that may uh, not be very handy, and you, but you actually force them to walk around with hot drinks through a crowded area. I think I think the uh, the type of restaurant for the handy type of uh, self service uh, uh, takeaway restaurant, I think is a a nice time to have a look into that and enhance the the the, the way they operated. I think it's either a full reminder or because most people believe that this is. Uh, built into the Hong Kong system where this type of restaurant is happening and where most people have common sense in like traveling with your own hot food you should be careful on, on delivering from the counter to your your table I think that, that that's, that's, that's one thing but in most uh, uh, more well run chain type of uh, catering uh, fast food now night time they have people delivering the food to the table already they are already operating in that 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 respect as well. Mm. Right, Mr. Kerr Lewis. I mean, going back to the question I asked our Professor Ho, if it is an accident, I mean, can anyone be held accountable? Well, this is interesting because you have to distinguish between civil law and criminal law. Um, of course, under criminal law, there is there are multiple different ordinances which are there to try and. Um, Protect the public and then or public safety kind of above legislation, but going but then looking at responsibility, you could also move that into the realm of civil law, because if there are any claims made, of course, against a restaurant, and of course this person who causes accident can't be found, that person will still, however, be brought into the actual um, end game of, of calculating the amount of damages. So we're looking at contributory negligence on the bottom side of the restaurant and of course and what, what negligence this person might may, may have um, um, may be liable for so in the end i might not be paying out 100 percent and i'll be paying 90 or 80 percent at that point um, that's just what happened a lot in um, uh, um called a motor, motor accidents in hong kong someone crossed the road for instance without looking at the traffic conditions and gets uh, injured in the car accident um you know, that, that would be maybe about 10% uh, of the liability of the driver to take it off. That's a considerable. So going back to the criminal side, yes, of course, if the person is actually caught and, and, uh, and the police would arrest her, she could be actually found, you know, um, or suspected of committing a crime. But if it's a pure accident where she had no thought whatsoever of trying to hurt anybody, it's very hard to charge her, for, for instance, with wounding hmm. or assault. So we have to look at this uh, in, in detail, and perhaps uh, some legislation could be passed. But I think in the moment, uh, it's normally settled by insurance claim, you know, insurance companies who instruct their own lawyers to advise them on, on um, how the case should be settled. Cases of this nature normally are settled out of court. It's unlikely these, these things are fought in court because the legal fees could be far more expensive than the actual damages. Right. 
And then legal fees, I mean, you guys are expensive, uh, Eric. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, mean, I, I, I don't want to kid about this, but, the, but there is, it, it's prohibitive, isn't it? I mean, for if we don't have the system as in the UK and the US where um, you can actually uh, claim damages and uh, make sure that the, uh, the, uh, the risk is being taken. So the lawyers will come over and take that risk uh, of, of, of fighting for you. And um, then they take their share in the payout. Yes, we don't have contingency fees in Hong Kong. That's, in fact, illegal. Um, what happens here generally, of course, the practice directions, which is the uh, what lawyers have to comply with with the court, are really all now in favour of mediation or, uh, and um, settlements at an early, early stage before even litigation is commenced. So, in a way, legal fees are cut down nowadays. It's very rare you see a case go to court because um, this pressure on settling it without wasting you know, time Without wasting in legal fees, it's paramount importance. But the parents and, and lawyers who do clients like drag cases on can be actually punished personally by wasting court cost orders, we call it. But, but the parents of this child that got hurt, have they got to go out and and get compensation? I mean, they got to hire a lawyer who got to hire a barrister to go and fight this case, isn't it? I mean, they are the ones that have to spend the money. Well, there, are, there's, there is a good safety net in Hong Kong, that is legal aid. If they can't afford it, uh, the, the fees for the see or to hire a private lawyer, then, of course, um, the legal aid would cover it. However, if they, you know, if they fail the means test, they can still actually, do what, do, what you do to put the legal aid, in other words, pay a contribution to the legal aid department for having, you know, getting a, um, a solicitor assigned to you. And you might probably know in Hong Kong there is a concept of conflict of interest. And you might have some law firms that specialize in personal injuries claims, but they may, in fact, be representing the insurers um, as opposed to the, the, um, the plaintiffs. So um, around for lawyers, probably the best if the parent of this child would go to legal aid first and avoid any kind of, like, um, you know, going from shopping from one firm to the other, I think the first step is to apply for legal aid. But you need a lawyer for that? You don't need a lawyer for that. You just simply go there personally okay. um, to the latest um, admiralty and make your application there. And uh, they deal with us immediately. And then, of course, they will then tell us that might spend maybe a month or so deciding or not. All right. All right. I just I just want to go back to uh, Professor Ho for a moment. Uh, earlier, um, of course, Mr. Yao uh, and uh, Mr. Kerr Lewis, they talked about uh, third party insurance. The the uh, restaurant uh, can uh, you know give compensation to those affected. But uh, in, I remember earlier you seem to um, suggest, uh, Professor Ho, that uh, the uh, person responsible for um, carrying out or, or for, in this accident should be uh, should come out. Why is that? Should come out and take responsibility? Uh, yeah, is that what you're talking the about? The idea is that all of these uh, 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 legal provisions is in order uh, to ensure public interest, which means that uh, um, you want to change people's behavior so that they will be more responsible and so that they will avoid those incidents over the long run. You see, and that is why... Um, Whoever who has behaved in a way that has jeopardized other people's uh, safety, they should be held responsible. And uh, a suitable um, uh, uh, fine or some other punishment uh, uh, is in order, in order to modify people's behavior. 
Sure, but it looks like it's very expensive for uh, for anybody involved and, and, and the, the yeah, injured party yeah, to actually yeah, go yeah, out and uh, establish sometimes it. Sometimes that is the case. Sometimes that is the case. And, and when it's not really possible, you know, to, to locate the person uh, uh, and hold them responsible, the victim uh, still needs to be uh, um, uh, helped, you know, and that is why there, there's a need for some kind of what I would call some kind of social insurance, you know, uh, um, because accidents can happen to anyone, uh, any day, you see. And, and so I would uh, uh, really support some kind of uh, uh, social safety uh, or social insurance mechanism so that someone who is hit by some accident will uh, be assisted, you know, uh, uh, by society, you know. Um, and I think that is really necessary, and the timely help is necessary, you know, because uh, I think that is in the interest of the public. Sure. And everyone will feel safer, uh, more secure, you know. Now, and to what extent, uh, Professor Holoksan, is, is, is there a reputation for restaurants to be unsafe in Hong Kong? I'm, I'm going back no, to the no. old days when, when uh, they were walking around with trolleys with hot foods in, in very large restaurants. <laughs> and I can remember reading some stories about accidents that had taken place in those circumstances. So, I mean, is, is there a reputation of, of uh, unsafe restaurant operations? And, um, and has that been addressed in the past? Well, yeah. Uh, there has to be some kind of uh, uh, protocol, you know, some kind of uh, um, um, code of uh, behavior, you know, for employees, you know, who are handling hot food and so on, you know. And I think uh, if the proper measures have been taken, then uh, if something happens, then you would call it an accident, a pure accident, you know. But but if uh, you do not follow the, uh, that that code of conduct, then then of course it's different. Then then you may be held uh, responsible. Um, how, how about uh, Hughes and Shakey? What, what is it? A restaurant? Or do we have do we have an issue of uh, safety in operations of restaurants? Is there yeah. a, a code of practice, and uh, or uh, are we suffering? Are we running behind? Uh, I don't think we are running behind, but because every month we have a, a update. And uh, we have encouraged all the restaurants to do a lot of training. Uh, so in different type of restaurant or that type of business, we always encourage them to do uh, up-to-date training to the safety of the staff and customers. So I think uh, in Hong Kong, as you were saying, all this trolley type of restaurant, most of them have been faded out mm -hmm. due to the unsafety side of it. And I think we have been uh, very well doing that side, we're updating year by year on the type of uh, 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 safety, health and safety factor in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. How about kids running around the restaurants and uh, <laughs> we try to control. kids running around? We yeah. try to control. We try to advise parents sometimes. Uh, some, of, some of our frontline uh, waiter, waitresses uh, will sometimes ask them not to run. Hmm. Eric, what do you see? I mean, cases coming to you? Well, yes, and it's, in fact, it's quite a lot of casework about, you know, children getting into trouble, um, well, having accidents in the restaurant or public areas. And really, um, if, you look, if you look at the, public, sorry, the uh, legislation on this point in relation to what we call occupiers' liability, it does very clearly say that extra care must be taken if children are allowed on those premises. So, in a way, it, it, is, it is putting quite a burden uh, of... Um, 
uh, what's called onus of liability um, on the actual um, occupier of a restaurant. Um, just on passing, you will see that some restaurants, such as McDonald's, the chains of McDonald's, which we serve hot drink, well, they always have a cover on the actual cup. And, of course, that is a very good, uh, good practice, especially if it's service. Mm. So, uh, again, they, they bear in mind that there are going to be children running around in these restaurants, and therefore mitigation for I mean, you know, a high degree of mitigation of any potential accident should be taken. That's, I think, part of their duty of care. Oh, that's not good news for us who are in the uh, environmental side and we want to reduce plastic, but I, I, I see it. So, so this is one of the reasons that uh, hot drinks should always be covered in these fast food restaurants. Absolutely, because it is, of course, a very strong mitigating factor if an accident does occur. It it harder for the actual, you know, well, for a spillage to take place. Um, um, I remember the old days, if you, if you do as well, on, on, on the ferries. Remember they used to have uh, concessions given to the, the, to the crewmen who would actually serve hot food on the actual berries, such as, you know, the normal kind of um, instant noodles and hot drinks and things like that. I miss I mean, They had absolutely no training. They're just doing it really just as a, as a sideline. So imagine the potential there against the actual ferry company was quite huge. All right, uh, Mr. Kerr Lewis, uh, let's take a quick break for the news and uh, continue our discussion afterwards. Uh, Professor Ho, thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Ho Lok Sang, director of the Han Su Tong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University. Now, if you're tuning in and you want to ask our guests questions or share your views on today's topics, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at Backchat chat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And uh, here's a quick look at the weather, mainly cloudy with a few showers. The uh, thunderstorm warning is currently in force. Highs today expected of around 27 degrees. Winds moderate to fresh east to southeasterly is occasionally strong offshore at first. At the moment, it's 24 degrees, relative humidity 91%. <music> It's now 9.30. With a news summary, here's a Tom Warden. Cathay Pacific says it's fired three of its flight attendants over claims of discrimination against passengers who couldn't speak proper English. They were said to have made fun of a passenger who had asked for a carpet instead of a blanket and joked about the English language skills of the traveller. Several explosions were heard during a garage fire in Sampo Kong last night. The blaze broke out at 8 p.m. and it was raised to a number three alarm after midnight. It was largely put out by early this morning. And a new report by the U.S. Surgeon General has warned that social media use by children and teenagers could pose a profound risk of harm to their mental health and well-being. The warning came as the White House put out its own notice about what it called the unprecedented youth mental health crisis in the U.S. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. The government has launched HKE Toll. With a vehicle tag, there is no need to stop to pay tunnel tolls. Tolls will be deducted from your account automatically, starting from 5 a.m. on May 28th. HKE Toll is implemented at the Lion Rock Tunnel. When using toll tunnels that don't have HKE Toll yet, please continue to use the existing payment methods. Visit hketoll.gov.hk for more. Drive smart with HKE Toll. Our district councils are supposed to serve the people in the districts, but the councils were sabotaged and disrupted. They got sick and could not function properly. Now it's time to heal and get the district councils back on track to improve district governance. 
District councilors are to make constructive suggestions to the government, improve the community environment, and listen to the people's views. The district councils can and should function well for the people. Improve district administration. Build a better community. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Wednesday morning with Paul Zimmerman and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is Yao Cheke, the Vice Chairman of the Association of Hong Kong Catering Services Management Limited. And on the line, we have Eric Kerr Lewis, Barrister at Law. Now, um, before we get back to our discussion, I have an email here from Mike, and uh, he's um, questioning why we're discussing this topic today. Uh, about uh, legal liability in the catering industry. He says, uh, really, this is what you all think is important. And uh, that is from Mike. Um, Mr. Yao. Uh, thank you, Mike, for the question. I think uh, this, will be, this is an accident. I think it's, it's nice to raise this uh, public awareness to the, the, the safety hazard in restaurant and how uh, public should behave or how a restaurant should behave. I think uh, it's subject to what you're interested about, but I think for us in the trade and for Hong Kong, one of the most populous city which people go to restaurants so populous and so much, so frequent, I think it would be a, a nice information to, to learn about this topic. Mm. All right, but Mr. Kerr Lewis, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, to, I mean in response to uh, Mike's message? Yes, uh, thanks, Mike, for responding so quickly to us. Um, my point is, is that uh, I think at the moment um, the most important thing for everyone to understand is that uh, I think the main liability falls on the, the establishment, the restaurant itself. The accidents happen inside the restaurant, you know, involving third parties, and of course customers and accidentally or colliding with those like that little this young woman. Um, I think the main issue is we have to concentrate on whether or not uh, there's there is sufficient uh, um, compensation for that trial. And the only way to really do this is to go for the party which is, of course, the most protected, and that is the actual establishment itself. It would be a waste of time chasing after us as a, say, a stranger without even knowing whether or not the person has any means to pay out anything. So the, I think the main the main um, strategy for any kind of legal protection um, of, of a party who's injured in these circumstances is still with the actual occupier. Right. And, uh, of course, uh, before the uh, news, uh, Professor Ho, he, uh, he suggested uh, the, uh, I don't know, he suggested an introduction of uh, something called a social safety mechanism. Um, Mr. Crow Lewis, uh, what can you, I mean, what do you think of that idea? Well, I think, of course, you know, in, in the perfect world, and everyone behaves well and, and follows these sort of um, so-called uh, public safety kind of announcements and doing the do things properly. Well, I think that's that could be amplified even more by making sure restaurants do actually warn people about walking around with hot drinks and hot food. And so that, I think that amplification should come within the industry as well itself, rather than actually going towards a long and I would say um, tedious route of, of trying to pass legislation. I don't think legislation really is, is, is going to. It will be the answer at the end. It will be, of course, just public awareness, and that's done by public uh, in the restaurants themselves, making sure there's warning um, signs every day, making public announcements over, over the actual PR system. So, so really, the the most important uh, and uh, uh, party is is the restaurant itself. 
I think so, because they, you know, they, they clearly have a liability and they, before they have the insurance, which they have to have by law, uh, before they get a restaurant license. So uh, I think that's the only way, really, to get the, the, the correct compensation. And, of course, compensation it has to be only monetary. It can't be anything else. So it's unlikely someone's going to come forward and make an apology, and, that's, and, and then, then that, that will satisfy the person. I mean, really, we could really just um, balance this stuff scientifically on just a monetary kind of compensation. And uh, I don't think there should be any criminal liability here unless it's, it's grossly negligent on the part of the restaurant itself. And, of course, if the person actually deliberately poured a hot liquid over a young child, then that is clearly a criminal matter. And then, But it does still not um, you know, stop the actual civil side from proceeding later on. In other words, the actual claim for monetary damages. All right. Uh, now, now, um, there has been a long history of incidents uh, involving customers suffering injuries caused by hot food or drinks. And, uh, of course, uh, Paul mentioned uh, the famous example of uh, the U.S. McDonald's hot coffee case in 1992. And uh, it was really because of that uh, case that people started discussing uh, the safe temperature for serving coffee. Um, Mr. Yao, are there existing guidelines in Hong Kong on the safe temperature for serving uh, hot drinks or food? Uh, I don't think we have any uh, uh, legislation regarding the, the, the temperature of uh, serving mm. food. But as the customers always think that the, the food should be served hotter and hotter, yes. they, they don't want it lesser than that. Uh, so uh, it's very difficult, I think, uh, on, on how we're going to measure when they are served from the kitchen to the table mm. and what temperature. I think it's, it's very hard to put a, a law on that. Uh, I think it's, in this case, I think it's a good reminder for us to review and how people should be taking their own responsibility once they take the food. Because most common sense is they buy the food, they expect it is hot or the coffee is hot. I think uh, when they are taking that on their hands, it's their responsibility partially or, or mostly. It's their responsibility on making sure that doesn't spill or, or that, that doesn't spill on other people. But, but, so the main responsibility, the person, the main responsibility of the restaurant? Uh, I think it should be both. I think the restaurant should be making sure that they know the water is, the, 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 the dish or the coffee is hot. I think it's a nice reminder on most restaurants saying, Give them, give them a nice new sign, a reminder what they're taking the coffee. The hot, the coffee is hot. But there uh, is a there is a chance here, of course, that somebody like McDonald's is going to say, "Well, I'm going to serve my uh, my drinks uh, at a lower temperature because of the risk that that is on that's, me." That's his choice. That somebody drops <laughs> it on somebody else in my busy restaurant. Yeah, I think I think I think that would be the choice of uh, McDonald's then maybe uh, to to do that. But I think uh, on there's so many type of restaurant in Hong Kong, we can we can take their hands on and showing them to do whatever. But I think it's uh, their own responsibility to making sure uh, they. Uh, tell the client, uh, the customers, uh, uh, the, the, the risks involved. Sure, but as an association uh, specialised, you know, in the Hong Kong catering industry, mm. uh, is that something that you're looking into and studying? The f- I think what's happening in a restaurant, what the risks are, how it can be mitigated? Uh, as I was saying before, I think we have been evolved uh, ever since uh, for the past 30 years that we've been helping the industry in, in, in helping the, the, the labor force or the customers and how we serve the customers, uh, such as we were talking about the, the trolley is gone. Uh, uh, I think we have a, a kind of a pantry, how we, we serve the, the food from the pantry. 
So I think everything we have been doing uh, uh, bit by bit, but I think we can't jump the hurdle. Uh, once it just happened uh, uh, a few days ago, and we, how we expect to, 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 to evolve our restaurant, or we can advise our restaurant, or our members, in, in, in making sure that we be more diligent and, and make care, taking more care to the customers. And, 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 but, and but how about to start with information and oh, the, we do, the we data do. on yeah, accidents? Yeah, we do, we do, we do. I think we will, we will do in the next meeting, we will issue a, a guideline and, and, and telling them that oh, it, this could be one of the new steps taking forward. But most of uh, our chain restaurant, they are at night time, they are uh, stop like as the customer going to the desk to take the, to the food uh, from the counter. Uh, I think they're just a, a number plate and then they serve to the table. Even in the fast food restaurant, you can try that nearby and you can test at night. You can see that the changes are already, we have been thoughtful before already. Is, is it for safety reasons or what's that? What? I, I think it's for safety reasons as well. Uh, so they are very careful on that as well. Most most of our members doing that already. Eric, what do you, you recommend if uh, the uh, the Hong Kong catering uh, industry associations are going to be are your client? No, if they were my clients, I'd be, I'd be very careful what I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, if but they were, yeah, but if they were, would you recommend them? Well, I think it's similar to many cases, like involving the public. Like, for instance, um, you you do now realise that um, it's a little bit different, but. Um, you know, on, if you go on, for instance, on the Macau ferries, they always warn you about putting your seatbelt on and about not getting up before the ferry comes in and docks because if a bump could force you, you know, cause you to fly. So the best you can do really is for restaurants to have at least very clear warnings about what you, you should not do. For instance, if you have um, this hot water carrying around a very hot, very, very hot drink, there should be some mitigation there, such as at least a warning and, and if not more such as having a cover on top of the actual uh, cup or whatever person's carrying. I think if you notice that, it is, it is already normal in the industry, such as Starbucks and McDonald's, for them to cover the actual drink. And I think that really is not just to keep it hot. That will happen as well, of course. But it's mainly to actually make sure that there's no accidental spillage before you reach your table or when you take it out outside of the premises. Right. Mr. Yang, I just want to go back to you. Um, we talked about the difficulties uh, restaurants are having in, in striking the right balance, really. On, on one mm. hand, you want to provide hot food and drinks for your customers. But on the other hand, uh, you don't want it to be too hot that uh, it will uh, burn them. So what do you have to do when, you, when it comes to uh, training new uh, staff? I mean, I'm sure the catering industry is having more new staff these days, right? Uh, I think it's all down to training and training and training. Like, uh, If it's new staff, I think we have to train them well. Yeah. All right. I have a caller on the line. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Water can um, water temperature of water is two hundred and twelve degrees, unless it's superheated. That you need pressurized water, and that's where you get the seven hundred. You get some very very high temperatures. So it seems to me like you haven't talked about the pressure, and if you eliminate pressure, you've got a maximum. 212 degrees and you're not going to get you're not going to get your third degree burns with um with with temperatures like this okay so you're not too worried about the temperature of uh, the food served in the hong kong restaurants well see now you're now you're added you're adding oil to it and oil is a little different so that's going to that's going to increase your temperatures but if you're just talking about water and 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 
and uh, you know scolding from coffees. Um, where where the McDonald's issue came in is they used super super heated waters, and that gets up to huge degrees, and that's what does all the damage. If you would have kept it to boiling, you're not going to have the serious problems. Okay, well, in, in, the, in the restaurant industry, I mean, um, I'm looking at Mr. Hu. I mean, uh, are, are we having this issue here in Hong Kong? Uh, Superheat, I don't think we, we have problems. It's not a Hong Kong issue? No, no, no. Well, no. What about your coffee machines? Your coffee machines steam the, 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 uh, the coffee out of the coffee bean. And so <laughs> you, you are. And so you don't understand your own product. And you, and you are using super hot um, um, uh, for certain products. for certain products, yeah, for certain, for certain products, products yeah. Right. So learn your learn your product and learn how to deal with that. All right, mm -hmm. all right. Well. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Michael. Thank you. Okay, thanks for your call. All right, so Mr. Yao, do you have any idea like how hot is uh, usually? I mean, uh, coffee. I mean, Co how hot is coffee? When coffee should served? be served best at eighty-two degrees Celsius. That's that's a common rule. I is think. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, because, uh, uh, I think only on the uh, maybe black coffee, yeah. where we straight out or uh, espresso, then that'll be much more hotter. Okay. And the issue that uh, grease grease is is a, is a really yeah. a more a I higher think, risk. I think in uh, some hot pot places, I think the, with the oil on top, mm -hmm. I think that have to be much more hazardous. We have to much take much more care into those type of restaurants. And and, and is that uh, part of uh, included in part of uh, the, the training that you offer to staff? Always, always in 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 different type of restaurant, we 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 advise them taking care of the the type of food they serve, and and the the the, the type of using trolley instead of taking out on 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 a tray. Hmm. Then that had changed already uh, in most restaurants. All right, so Mr. Yao, we have to leave it here okay. for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Yao Shekei, the Vice Chairman of the Association of, for Hong Kong Catering Services Management Limited. And also many thanks to Eric Kerr-Lewis, Barrister Indeed. at Law. It's now coming up to 9.46. And in a moment, we'll find out more about Hong Kong Soccer Sevens that will kick off this Friday. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Michael Teen, Roundtable Legislator. I want to congratulate RKHK on its uh, 95th birthday. And I've always been a fan of RKHK. I think over the years they've done a very good job balancing the needs of citizens to have transparency and factual use. So I congratulate them and I believe that they will continue to do the same. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned, Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. The Hong Kong Soccer Sevens will return for the first time in almost four years after it was postponed because of the COVID pandemic. The three-day tournament featuring 26 teams will kick off on Friday. And to tell us more about it, we're joined in our Admiralty studio now by Sebastian Page, a member of the events organizing committee. Good morning, Mr. Page. Morning. Morning, guys. Thanks for Welcome having me. Welcome to Backchat. So it's been a while since uh, the last Soccer Sevens tournament. Uh, can you first remind us uh, what this event is about? Sure, yeah. It um, feels like it's been away for a long time. Um, this is actually the 21st edition of the tournament. 
um, but we last were able to hold it in 2019. Um, so it's a three-day tournament, like you said, um, featuring two different um, competitions running at the same time. One is a, a main tournament um, where we have teams from um, all over the world coming in, a lot of professional clubs from the UK, um, with teams from Singapore, Macau, and, and local professional teams here as well. Then at the same time, we have a Masters tournament of over 35 and 40-year-old players um, featuring ex-professionals playing. So the games run concurrently at the at the football club, like you say, kicking off on Friday with the Masters, and then the, the main tournament starts on Saturday. All right. Can you go, uh, go through some of the top teams that will be taking part? Yeah, sure. So really excited by the you know the commitment of the teams. Obviously, we weren't able to really confirm the tournament was going ahead until all the restrictions dropped here um, earlier this year. But we've got um, a lot of top clubs like Brighton, Fulham, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Leicester, QPR from the UK, Rangers from Scotland. And then we have um, the local champions, Kitchi as well. Um, and the local champions from Macau playing for the first time as well, which is exciting. Okay. And uh, what about the uh, top players? I mean, who are some of the top players football fans uh, should look out for? Well, we uh, we are going to announce shortly some of the um, the vets um, players who are coming out, which I know a lot of people get excited about. Um, the the teams that come out from the professional clubs in the UK are usually the younger players, um, so it's actually a, more of a glimpse to the future for for fans. We've had players like Jack Grealish who just won the Premier League with Man City, going on to to the Champions League final. Who's played in this tournament before, among many others. So it's really a chance for local fans to to get a get a glimpse into the future of these uh, top professional players. I'm not familiar with the rules for uh, soccer sevens. I'm, uh, I'm familiar with the rugby sevens. <laughs> and I guess many many of our listeners are probably in the same uh, state. So can you can help us here? How many players? How long? What, what is the duration of a match? I mean, what, what is, uh, give us the basics. Sure. I think, yeah, Hong Kong is a bit of a specialises in smaller format sports, I guess. With the, So sevens, it's very similar to rugby sevens in that fact. So it's seven aside, but still played on a full pitch. Still full pitch. Full pitch. That's yeah. a long run. Yeah, um, sh much shorter games, obviously. So it's seven minutes a half, ten minutes a half in the finals. Um, so yeah, it's a lot more exciting. Main, most of the rules are the same, except we don't have offsides, which means you know players, can, teams can play various tactics of leaving leaving some players at the top end of the pitch. Um, it's often sometimes the chance for the professional teams to get caught out, I guess. Um, they're, um, when they play the local teams who have played sevens a lot more in their first couple of games, you, you often see upsets because they're getting used to the format. And is, is, is the sevens a TV game? Mm. I mean, is, do we see it uh, getting gaining TV time over regular uh, soccer? I mean, I haven't seen it. So yeah, no, no. I think probably you'd say Hong Kong is the is the biggest sevens tournament in the world. Um, I think um, a lot of the teams love coming out to play in this. Uh, we have a lot of repeat teams because. You know, they enjoy changing the format up. I guess it's a bit more total football than than the 11 aside. They they use it as a chance to to bring their young players out, get get used to um, different different um, environment, and you know really see them playing football. So it's a lot quicker. Uh, there's a lot more games, so very much like the rugby sevens, really. And it's very much a Hong Kong situation. So it doesn't. There's no competition in other parts of the world where uh, sevens. There was a there's a Singapore sevens. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a Hong Kong one, as far as I know. Okay, but it, so is, are you seeing this going to spread out around the world? Are we going to see more sevens? Is this going to become a popular format <laughs> or for, 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 uh, for soccer? Or are we just going to see this only in Hong Kong? 
I think it suits um, what we have here in Hong Kong with the with the venue and and the fans here. Excited to see some of these teams come out. Like I said, they were 21 years in now to this, so it hasn't spread yet. But um, I think I I think we've got quite a unique venue here at the football club um, that the teams love coming out to with amazing facilities and and it works really nicely in the sort of contained environment. Um, so yeah, I think. If people are excited to to find out more, then please come down this weekend. I was just googling, um, uh, you know, the um, uh, soccer is boring, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, on, on because I wanted to arm myself with uh, some uh, a discussion here with with you. And then so the the reasons why people consider soccer boring would be low scoring, as a defensive struggle, it's inefficient, it's slow, P- players run a lot back and forth, but there is not a lot of scoring. Uh, if you take that as being the negatives being expressed about 11 aside, where do you stand with the seven aside? I mean, it seems to address some of the issues. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think it, it's kind of similar to, to rugby sevens in that part. You know, I think Hong Kong you know, is quite a rugby town. Uh, we're used to the rugby sevens here for those very facts that you just said, you know. People find the full, full game, you know, a bit slow, um, difficult to follow, but the sevens format speeds it up. So it's exactly the same in, in football, yeah. Lots of goals, lots of lots of shoot shots, lots of attacking plays. Um, when when we go to um, when we get to the knockout stages, um, if the the game's drawn, uh, the teams have to go down to four players each on the full pitch um, for a for a golden goal. So that's one of the one of the highlights of the of the weekend when that happens because that's even more exciting. Right. And uh, you mentioned how you had to wait for the COVID restrictions to be relaxed earlier this year before you could uh, uh, plan this event. Uh, overall, how, how difficult was it to uh, put this uh, tournament together? Yeah, I mean, similarly to, you know, a lot of events in Hong Kong, we just, we, it was a bit of a waiting game. And especially when majority of our participants are coming in from overseas. So we do, we did you know, thanks to all of them for sort of bearing with us and, you know, holding on. I think that's testament to the tournament of, you know, how much these professional clubs like coming out to play. They've got they've got hundreds of invites to tournaments around the world, but they sort of held themselves available to to um to come out to this one when, when the restrictions did drop. But um yeah, we're uh, at the football club where it's a you know hundred percent volunteer committee of members who run this. So no one's getting paid for putting it on. So um, I think, you know, we were all desperate to get it back. Um, so as soon as the sort of, you know, we got the green light, it was all hands on deck from us to um, to get this going. But we're really excited to be able to bring it back to Hong Kong. So what are the dates? Where are we playing? How much are the tickets? Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some details. Yep. So so it starts this Friday on the 26th oh, of May. Soon. Yeah, 6 p.m. The, the games start on Friday evening. That's the, the Vets games. Um, so the over 35 tournament. And the main tournament starts on Saturday the 27th. And the, the finals are on the Sunday the 28th. Everything's at the football club. Um, tickets, I think, you know, we want to make this a really accessible event for everybody. So um, I think we've managed to get a really good price point on that. It's $120 for a one-day ticket. Reasonable. $200 for the weekend, and kids under 16 are free. So again, family event. Um, If you go to our website, hksoccer7s.com that you can you can get tickets on there still okay um, how are you going to get that extreme behavior that we see at the rugby sevens <laughs> with uh, everybody dressed up in partying mode or what it's it's a bit a bit different um environment i think 
people are a bit more interested in the in the football itself. I'd say at this tournament <laughs> and seeing the seeing the players. There are some well-known players there that you know. There's autograph hunters, fans of the clubs. I mean, you know, in Hong Kong we've got fan clubs for Newcastle, for Rangers, and they, you know they all come down as well. So um, it's a really n- nice atmosphere at the the small stadium at the football club. All right, and uh, like we mentioned earlier, it's been a few years since uh, Soccer Sevens uh, has taken place in Hong Kong. Um, in your view, has the level of interest in the tournament uh, changed at all? Uh, still tickets available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there is a bit of the a culture of um, you know getting tickets on the door there. Um, so I would recommend people to buy them in advance. Um, but um, yeah, I think you know we've been starved a little bit of events in Hong Kong over the past few years, so. I'm hopeful that you know this is something that that people will get behind and and come to. Um, so I, I mean, we're getting a lot of interest on sort of social media. People asking for what, which players are coming, or when are, when are the squads going to get announced? Um, there's a lot of um, you know the, the Premier League clubs are putting stuff out on their channels about how excited the players are. I think players are start to arrive today and tomorrow. That I'm sure there'll be people at the airport for um, for the players arriving. Um, we actually had a. Les Ferdinand, who is an ex-England international Premier League player, went um, at our press conference um, back in April when we announced the the tournament and the, uh, we did the draw, and there was a you know a lot of interest there, people people swarming around him. So I'm hoping for a similar sort of uh, atmosphere this weekend. Okay, how about the weather? <laughs> I mean, slip sliding. I mean, it's going to be a wet, wet out there. But is it good for the game, or is it going to be more fun? Or, or? so, so um, it is interesting. Like I said, so I think the format catches some of the international teams out. So does the weather. Um, I always seem to remember that this seems to be one of the hottest weekends of the year <laughs> every time we do this, um, and sometimes that helps the the local Hong Kong teams because the guys coming out from the UK. Um, then not a bit of a used, shock. not used to the heat <laughs> and like it's seven players on a full pitch, right? So, um, so I'd say the heat um, favors the the local teams, but the, probably the rain um, will will favor the uh, the traveling teams. So, but yeah, I mean football, you know, is a is a sport. You know, you can play in any weather. We've, um, our pitch at the football club, you know, can take a lot of rain. I remember years gone by where we've we've had it bucketing down on the on the weekend, and you know, we still go ahead. And there's enough cover. There's enough indoor spaces for the audience to enjoy yeah, themselves. Yeah. There's some great food. Yeah, they, uh, the, the stands are covered. Um, obviously, we're selling, um, you know, food and drinks um, for the and uh, for the public there. Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, hopefully, a lot of the local football fans. This is something they've been to before. Um, you know, starting in 1999. Um, and you know, for, for people who are new to this, I you know encourage you to come down, bring your family. It'll be a great weekend. And yeah. there's some events before and after the uh, I, 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 the rugby sevens were always of these parties. Where uh, <laughs> you know before and after, what is uh, what is planned? Um, I, I like I said, I think it's less it's less about the party this uh, this tournament and uh, ah, than so the serious. rugby sevens. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we have we've got a dinner, um, sort of an opening dinner tomorrow night with a with a player called Dwight York, which I'm sure a lot of people will have heard of, used to play for, for Manchester United. He's coming mm. into town to sort of open the tournament tomorrow night. Um, so that's that's the official opening. But, yeah, it's less about the partying, more about the, the sport, I think. All right, have a great party. All right, uh, Mr. Page, I'm afraid we're out of time. Thanks again for joining us uh, this morning. That's uh, Sebastian Page, a member of the Hong Kong Soccer Sevens Organising Committee. Many thanks also to you who commented or called us, called us today and uh, to our guest presenter, Paul Zimmerman and producer Raphael. I'll be back with another edition of Back Chat tomorrow with Andrew Work.